Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Check out the Break the Bell podcast, where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world, mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. following is a message from the emergency comic book podcast system we are interrupting our regularly scheduled program to bring you this emergency session this emergency review of the recently released justice league snyder cut zach snyder's justice league came out and we had to scrap the schedule we threw everything out and shuffled it together and now we're back at the last moment literally hours before listening to this i am here recording this review with my partner in comic book crime the rambling man himself remzo martinez remzo how goes it my life has changed forever mark this this will only be known as a S C after Snyder cut <laughs> and everything before that is BSC before Snyder cut. That's the clear delineation of an era of an, uh, of a changing of an era. This my, my generation only has like nine 11, the release of the Yeezys. And now we have the Snyder cut move over age of Aquarius. It's the age of the Snyder verse. That's right. It's here. Uh, I was not planning on doing anything for this movie uh, in terms of the podcast. I thought, yeah, maybe I'll do some quick thoughts on it uh, for a bonus show for our patrons. I, or I, had, patrons. I had written like two sentences of a review, and even I was like, this this cannot be contained to only the written word. Yeah, so I think we were uh, into the into the same mindset here. We, we both, I, I don't know, what was your level of excitement going into this? Because for me, I was interested in the film, of course. I'd seen the, the original Joss Whedon Justice League movie, it was, you know, I would call it crappy. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Like I, I could watch it and enjoy it in the sense of it's a, it's a movie on the background. It's kind of stupid. There's fun moments, but it kind of sucks, and I don't really care about it. So I, I just thought saw, saw this as okay. Well, it's probably mostly the same footage with just like a few more extra some deleted scenes tossed in. So I'll watch it and see how it is. And my God, I, I couldn't have been more wrong in my my lack of expectations for this. Uh, I, I mean, to me, I, I guess the, the best way to describe it to me is it's the exact same movie and a completely different movie somehow all at once. Yeah, like with with director's cuts and I'm not a big, you know, director's cut fan in some cases. I think sometimes the theatrical version is better than others. Like one of, one of the films that I've seen all I think it's four versions of was Apocalypse Now. 
it can go from like an hour and a half to two hours to three hours to three and a half hours. And I've seen every version and every version is good. And then there are other films where, you know, I think uh, one of them, one of my favorites was uh, uh, The Kingdom of Heaven. And I saw the it was with Orlando Bloom in like 2005. I like the theatrical version more than the, um, you know, director's cut. But with this. I remember reading a lot from the leak scripts and I was like, this is too much of a different film than what we got in theaters. So when I, what we you know, like many other fans heard that they were actually going to go through with it. I didn't even think they were going to go through with his whole freaking plan. I thought it was going to be a truncated version. So, you know, prior to this, I was like, okay, we're never going to get the Snyder cut. Then it was like, okay, if we get the Snyder cut, will it even be the real Snyder cut? Holy shit, man. They did it. And everyone has basically come to the same conclusion that Joss Whedon is the devil. <laughs> yeah. We, every, fans were looking for the devil in WandaVision, looking for Mephisto. They were looking in the, the complete wrong spot. They need look no further than uh, I, can I call him anything it less than a Joss war criminal? It was Whedon all along. <laughs> it was Whedon all along. Uh, I, like, I don't want to make this, this. This is a hate crime. No, like this is like what he did. And, and like I've I've never really like I I've never really liked Joss Whedon as a person though I've liked his stuff I liked Buffy I loved Firefly and Serenity and I'm happy that he, they brought him in for the Avengers but as a person as a director since the Avengers I think I think really with Avengers Age of Ultron something just kind of snapped with him where he really began to th- show his true colors and like with the Snyder Cut what I always thought was interesting was how all the cast basically were like yeah Joss's version is just absolute shit release release the Snyder cut and like everybody yeah, I mean when you're hearing that from the cast like it's one thing for fans to start to uh, you know start a movement and get excited about something but when essentially the entire cast is also saying it and, t- and tweeting the same hashtags you, you start to think well maybe there's something to this maybe there's actually is a better movie in here somewhere when when Ben Affleck joined the Snyder cut bandwagon that's when I knew that it was serious because like I, I, I do, I don't want to get too much into this part. Like with all the allegations of mistreatment by uh, Ray Fisher, I do genuinely believe him. I do too. Like oh, yeah. I, I, I absolutely a hundred percent believe that what Ray Fisher claims very genuine to me, the stuff he was running up was just way too specific. Like it's not Jesse Smollett type shit. No. Like this is like, I actually believe everything Ray Fisher said because it sounds like it's stuff that, has actually happened. So like with that, I mean, when, when actors say, Oh, you know, they cut out all my scenes and films. Usually people are like, shut the fuck up. You're still in the movie. They basically like, they literally lobotomized his role in the theatrical version and knowing what he, he actually did and what was supposed to come from this. Now people forget this. This was his first major film appearance as an actor. I would be just as angry, if not more. If anything, I think that Ray Fisher has been extremely restrained over the last two, three years. We were my, my wife and I were dissecting the movie a little bit afterwards, and, and we both independently kind of agreed that he was we think he's actually the best actor in the movie. He actually might have had the best acting performance. Oh, my my gosh. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it's close. <laughs> I, I mean, I, the, I mean, the only person I don't like really at all in the movie uh, as an actor is Ezra Miller. And I don't know how much that's his fault yeah. or as much as he's playing the character as it was written. But I just his portrayal of Barry Allen and, and how they write him as this like dorky, nervous weirdo 
like it just it doesn't it, it feel justified, like Barry Allen at all. It, it justified that I didn't like Flash in the film the first time. And I was like, I don't even think it would have been better in the Snyder cut. And that's probably my biggest criticism. And you were right. And, <laughs> that- and, and like, yeah, I mean, my thing about Snyder is not that I think this is the best way to portray the Justice League. But if you're going to do it in a film, this was the best way to do it. And even my criticisms where I do have some criticisms about the film, they're so minimal. It doesn't affect what I'm about to say now, which is up until this point in my life, I thought that the Lord of the Rings saga was probably, you know, the best films I had ever seen. I can probably say that the Snyder cut of Justice League is on par with all three Lord of the Rings films. There are people who will rake you over the coals for saying that, but I'm not going to be one of them. I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say that I, I it's as good as Lord of the Rings. Uh, no, I'm ready to say it's better than any of the three Hobbit movies. I'm ready to say that right now. And it's the rest better will, than Endgame. Ooh, I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Going, that will so, draw. That will draw blood. The fact that I I'm not immediately saying no says it all because I, I think Endgame and Infinity War combined are just an absolute masterpiece. And but I mean, what's really amazing to me is that he was able to to create this epic feel of this movie for me when I didn't really love the previous films that he had done. I I, I like them. I like a lot about them. Um, but I had major issues with both Man of Steel and uh, Batman versus Superman, including the director's cut, which which I've seen and which, which is an improvement on the original. But it has major problems. I think they both I, have major problems. Yeah, I, I'm gonna just. You know, I, I know that we didn't really discuss the format for this, but just just because I feel like I can go on a rant about everything I loved about it, I, I'm going to go ahead and just spew out some of my criticisms, Mark, and, and just it. jump in with this one. One, I don't think that anybody at Warner Brothers understood how to write Flash, and that really bothers me because Jeff Johns was involved in it, and he's the person who basically made Barry Allen such a important figure in the DC comics. So, and what's he, funny about that is Jeff yeah. Johns was heavily involved in the Flash TV show where they nailed Barry Allen. I mean, hundred percent amazing, the best portrayal of him anywhere, including in comics. I think. Yeah, so I mean, the the fact that they completely changed everything about him, um, it feels you know, like that, a corporate decision me. to me. It feels like DC or Warner Brothers or AT and T, however high up you want to go, said no. One of these has to be the dorky, nervous one. So they just like they just made it the Flash, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm Aquaman, still. It couldn't be Batman. Uh, there's nobody left, you know. Both versions failed at that. So I, you know, that that's something that bothers me throughout because I thought while they added extra scenes with the Flash and stuff, it didn't make me like him more. If anything, it, it made me dislike him more. Secondly, um, I still don't. I, I think that Calville is my favorite actor to be Superman, even though the, the dude who's playing Superman in Lois and Clark, is, I'm sorry, in Superman Lois, the, the current CW series, Superman Lois, uh, he's he's giving him a run for his money because that's he's doing a very fantastic job over on that series. But um, while I'm happy to see the black suit, while I'm happy to see, a, you know, no mustache gate f- fiascos going on and more seriousness coming from Superman. I still don't believe that Snyder understood what made Superman unique. It's not his godlike ability and his symbolism. It's the humanity behind him. And I think in this film, it was even a little bit more lost than it was in in the theatrical version, though 
I will say that the theatrical version of Justice League completely changes what had happened to Superman between Man of Steel and BVS. So for continuity's sake, the Snyder Cut version is immensely better. We, We should take this moment to say right now for anyone that's gotten this far and has not seen the film yet, this will be a spoiler-filled review. So I don't think we've if really spoiled anything If you have not seen yet. this, if you have not, if you, like, listen, you should have taken yeah, what, a day off from work, Why are you listening to this away. podcast if you haven't seen it, first of all? What is wrong with you? This is your fault if you're getting spoiled. This is your fault. I have no sympathy right now. Look, you know, you know, Remzo, I am like insanely busy and it's, it's often hard for us to even schedule the one recording a week. I made the time. I created time out of thin air to, to watch. He made film. more hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, I literally <laughs> did that. I became a time god and I created the time for this because there's no way I wasn't going to see it, especially I think one of the first things I saw from you. I think you said uh, watching the Snyder Cut changed my life. And I was like, OK, I mean, he likes the movie, so I'll watch it. And then I watched it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think it might have changed my life, too. Hmm. Some I, I did. I actually did like a little uh, live video and I posted to the fan group and I was basically like my hair's all messed up. I didn't shave. I look like shit. I'm slurring my words because I, I had. I, so just to give people some context behind that video, I had just come back at midnight from a business trip to Milwaukee and I had to leave for North Carolina for five days at 10 a.m. because it was a seven hour drive. But with Charlotte traffic and everything, it was going to be more like 10 getting down there. So. So I had well, I got three hours of sleep. They released it at 3 a.m. Eastern time. I immediately woke up. My brother even woke up. We watched it. The dog woke up. We watched it. And immediately I did that video and somebody commented, wow, lo- look at my boy here looking like he had the best LSD trip ever. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was worth it. And, uh, you know, th- these criticisms between they didn't do the flash well to I still be- don't believe that anyone's really been able to hit, you know, really hit Superman on the mark in these films. Like, that's just it. Those are just really my basic criticisms. Other than that, I mean, compared to the theatrical version, it's a completely different movie. Uh, but in terms of just superhero films, I mean, I feel like some try and get too serious. Some try and get too too campy, which has been my criticism of the Marvel film. Here's the thing. There are no superhero teams without the Justice League. And in terms of just cinema itself, if you're going to do a Justice League movie, do the biggest, badass, most insane film ever made. And I I think maybe a few months from now, as I look back at it, my opinion will probably change. I think I'm still in the honeymoon phase. But for fuck's sake, Four hours. This is an explicit episode, folks. Don't listen to yeah, it with your children. Yeah. For four it's hours. A big ready of, next to this one. <laughs> for four hours of pure Zack Snyder comic book goodness, this is. It's. It's an experience. I'm not even going to say it's just a great movie or a good movie. It's an experience that must be had. Did you hear they're also releasing the black and white version? I freaking. I, I got I got an erection so hard for that. <laughs> I want to see it have in you IMAX. Seen, it's supposed have to be, you seen the original vision was in IMAX in black and white. That's why it's in the four by three, because it was made for these IMAX screens. And I, I want to. That has to happen. I want that. Have you life. seen the black and white version of Logan? I have. Yeah, that's amazing. If that is yeah. that is amazing. This will be even better. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, more criticisms. Why don't we tackle more criticisms before we dive into the praise? Or, or is that about um, the extent of it? I mean, that it was it was uh, it was that. So, yeah, I covered Flash. I covered Superman. Um, 
man, I think, I think that's about, oh, Mara's accent. Mm. That was odd. That was, that was just kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it was just, it didn't, it didn't fit in like at all. So yeah, that, that was just, that was a bad decision. I, I will say that. I will say that if Whedon did one thing right, it was making her not have the British accent. It was also, it, it was also cutting more of Amber Heard's scenes because Amber Heard is a horrible human being who should not have a career at this point. So I will add that. I don't care if you love her or not people. She, she's a horrible person. I like to look at her, but that's about, you know. You're you're not wrong. <laughs> Harpy. She's she's evil. She ruined a man's life for nothing. I think Johnny Depp's gonna be okay, but um but yeah. I hope she, she goes to jail. Yeah, no, she's she's a bad person. I I, yeah. I concur. And uh, uh, other than that, that's uh that that yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean I I, I don't know. I think I, yeah, my biggest criticisms wow, like that was like apparently I couldn't say that word at all. What happened there? Um <laughs> my biggest criticisms were probably pretty similar to yours. Um I, I just don't I think they did a better job giving the Flash character an a more important role. Uh which we saw well, we'll get into that when we kind of go through the whole movie itself. But um uh, but yeah, again, Ezra Miller I don't, I don't know if it's against him as an actor because he maybe he's playing the role in the way he's they want him to play it but it's just it's just ugh, he's just annoying he's just really annoying the flash is an, is an annoying character in this and that's not how the flash should be I don't want my flash to be annoying um so that yeah that that's a big one and then man I don't know I mean in, in any other circumstance I might criticize the length of the film. I don't know. I feel like the length is a strength here. I feel like it had to be. Yes. It had to be this long it, it, to give it the ec- epic feel and to really stretch out the characters. And and we didn't need to do as much character development, but they did anyway. Uh, I, I only have HBO Max because I wanted this movie. Pretty much, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like we didn't. So Wonder Woman already had her own full movie before this, so they didn't need to go do, do too much backstory. And you know, we well at the time it was made, the Aquaman movie was going to come out later. They kind they kind of had to to redo some things in this that were in the Aquaman movie because they were originally not going to be in the Aquaman movie. Like the thing like, with the uh, trident when he receives the trident and, and like he does that in the Aquaman movie again, but it wasn't again because they took it out of the first movie. <laughs> so yeah, Volko is completely different too as, uh, as Willem Dafoe, he completely looks different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so some of that is different, but I'm just looking at that as I'm not looking at, anything existing except the Snyderverse in the Snyderverse. So to me, Aquaman, that movie didn't necessarily happen, you know, in, in terms of this particular universe, I'm just looking at this universe to me is man of steel. Uh, I guess we, I mean, I guess the wonder woman film works in Canon with all of this. Um, but as far as the actual chronology of this, this to me, this is man of steel BVS and, and justice league Snyder cut only. Um, yeah, but yeah, why don't we just, yeah, I think, man, I think that's the extent of my criticisms. Like, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie besides that, um, but it is what it is. Like, I, I think, like, to me, a, a big problem with the Wonder Woman movie, which we reviewed as well, Wonder Woman 84, I really had a problem buying Gal Gadot in that movie. I really thought she, I, I think she was exposed as not the best actress in the world in that movie, to me anyway, uh, because it was more focused on her, more, more focused on her dialogue, less flashy action scenes to maybe distract us. But in this, in the, in a, the team movie like this, same thing with Jason Momoa, I think is, is a 
he's okay. He's not a bad actor, but he he's not required to do a lot in the in in his movies. Even in the Aquaman movie, he he does more. He has more speaking parts, but he's not he's not required to do it a whole lot. Uh, it's more the visual than anything else. But I think both of those characters. Um, whereas I, I, in their own film, I don't love them so much, but as a pieces of this team, I think they're so perfect in this movie because they just, they do what they're needed to do and they're there for what they're needed to, to be there for. Uh, when, the, when they're not the center of attention, they both work so much better. I think that's probably true of, of everyone in this movie. Um, yeah. with the exception of maybe Superman, uh, you know, Henry Cavill can, can carry this thing himself, uh, you know, can carry a movie himself as Superman as he has before. And I'm sure, I'm sure Batfleck, even though the, the individual Bat- Batman movie with him will probably not happen uh, i think he's i think he's frankly a stellar batman once you accept that this is a grizzled batman who's been through some some shit who has given up and yeah he'll use a machine gun now because why not once you accept that premise i think he's amazing as batman yeah i mean i think this is a prime example of how to do an ensemble movie because it, much like when you have ensemble books the key is to take big characters and have it so that way they make the lesser characters look bigger. And they they did this to a T, which is what shocks me about Joss Whedon still, because he came out with at the time what was the best ensemble film, Avengers. Um, you get to see the first time all these people on screen together. You get to see them communicate. You get to see them exchange and fight together and fight with each other. And those things matter, which is why when he did this, it's like I actually thought the theatrical version with Joss Whedon would be better because he's already done it before. And with uh, Batman versus Superman, I felt like even though it was a quote Man of Steel sequel, it it was really Batman with some Superman. And that's the thing. I want to see them on screen together. So while I really love Batman versus Super Superman, sorry, hiccups, I don't think it's a great ensemble film, especially when they throw Wonder Woman in there and it's just like, oh, where, where did she show up? Whereas with the Snyder Cup, it's like he actually managed to do it better. So it's like Snyder progressed and Whedon regressed. Yeah, I think a big part of this, too, is even in the original, if it had been finished in the Snyder vision, it still would not have been this four-hour version. So it was no. always going to be a truncated version of of the, the Snyder cut, even if it never became the, the Whedon cut or the Snyden, Sny Whedon cut, whatever it kind of monster it sort of became. Uh, but I think the thing with John we- Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon, whatever, Josh Whedon is, I, they brought him in and they basically told him, supposedly what they basically told him was like, do Avengers with this. Uh, so I think in his mind, do Avengers meant make a, a cheesy, fun movie where there's a bunch of jokes and there's, it's lighthearted and slapsticky and and that's kind of what he turned it into. Um, I think what they meant was maybe make an awesome team team movie and that's not what what happened at all uh yeah. but I, I think also with the with avengers with joss whedon's avengers he had the benefit of each of those characters with the except well no, as that's true even the hulk had his movie it was just a different different actor playing the hulk but each of those characters had their own movie in the case of iron man their own two movies that got them to this point so we didn't need to do any kind of we didn't need to do backstory on anybody. We got to just jump right into to a team movie. Whereas no, no, but nobody who hadn't already seen those solo films was going to see Avengers. Probably not. I think that's pretty clear. I and think if they, things if they were, changed they since. Don't care that they don't but for that backstory. film, yeah, I mean, but for that film, it was definitely you know a, a fan a fan service flick. Yeah, but this one I think was a little more challenging because you know outside of yeah only 
only Wonder Woman had her, and and of course Superman had his her own movie prior to this. I guess you can count BVS as sort of you know the the Batfleck uh, his own kind of film in a way. Uh, so, but we had all these other characters: Cyborg, Aquaman. Um, I guess yeah, Wonder Woman had her own film, Flash that they had to put in there, and you know give us some kind of build up to the character, and that is what was completely missing. Like I, it didn't even really exist in the Whedon cut, and whereas now we. I mean, we almost got a full movie of Cyborg within this movie. Uh, we got a little more with Flash, not not that much, but I didn't care because I didn't like a- the Flash, Aquaman. So. Actually, like, is an actual character and not just you know walking exposition. But I think there's one thing which was the big difference that everyone really pointed out that I think really showed how much Whedon did to water down this film, and it is Steppenwolf. Mm-hmm. What Steppenwolf did was you can tell a lot by the heroes and the characters by the villain they face. And I think by having Steppenwolf be an actual scary, evil mofo, it made everything that the heroes did feel so much more deliberate and actually made the stakes feel real. Whereas You know, you could have the same elements in the other version, but because the villain is not that much of a substantial threat, it doesn't make anything the heroes do seem anything more than them just moving through the scenes. And what I mean, Steppenwolf itself, I'm not going to say he's as great as Thanos, but my God, in terms of comic book superhero movie villains of the recent years. I mean, that used to be the criticism that people would throw out for the Marvel villains is that they're pretty, pretty static and disposable. I'll say that. Well, I don't think he's the best we've seen. He's certainly one better than what we got in the weed inversion. And two, probably one of the better villains in, 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 you know, in a long time. Yeah. In the weed in justice league, uh, Steppenwolf is just lame. He's visually lame. There's no, I mean, in the Snyder cut, we actually got like character development with Steppenwolf. We actually understand his motivation. We get what he's there to do. We get that there's this larger threat in the background from Darkseid. Uh, and mostly we see that through Desaad for most of the film, except for the Age of Heroes flashback, which is, oh my God, I can't wait to talk more about that. That's it's it's so amazing. It's like he inserted the movie 300 with superheroes and dark side in with inside of this other movie. It was just that, that seems like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's it, a whole chapter and yeah, we only yeah. get like a minute of that in the theatrical cut. And it's like who what, what bothers me the most was that we saw these scenes and he deliberately said either scrap it entirely or change it. Like the one thing that really fucking bothers me is the the bank heist. I'm gonna shut up because I want to talk about what you brought up a moment ago, Mark. The bank heist with Wonder Woman, uh, where after she saves the saves all the kids and stuff, she goes over to that one little girl and the little girl looks up. She's like, "Can I be like you when I grow up?" And Wonder Woman's like, "You can be whatever you want to be when you grow up." And I'm watching that and I look at my brother and we, we look at each other and we're like, "Joss Whedon saw that and said, nope, not good. Nope, scrap it." <laughs> And I got I got actually angry, like I got to the point where it's like, okay, well, I really want to see where the creative differences were. And the more stuff like that I saw, he was either changing or taking out as we actually got to see what the original vision of the script was. I was just getting mad because it's like you you not only made a worse movie, you're just doing stuff that you knew was deliberately going to make fans mad. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he probably couldn't have predicted we would ever get to see the full movie of what what could have been and what would have been. But uh, it, I mean, it it just makes Joss Whedon's work on Justice League just look worse and worse and worse as time goes on. Because you, you now we see, look what you had to play with here. Look, look what everything you had, and you just dumped all the good stuff in the toilet. I mean, essentially, you dumped. I everything really try. In the I I really try and separate the personal from the professional. He's making but it mark. Hard. I I think Joss Whedon is a bad person. I'm starting to believe it. If it wasn't for all the stuff with Ray Fisher and then all the the creep, like, I mean, there's that. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the story about this scene. It's in the theatrical version. It's oh not, about it's not Flash and cut. Wonder Woman. Yeah, where he kind of lands on top. Oh, of her that and that pissed that pissed me off. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that now until I. I mean, Gal Gadot was opposed to that scene. Understandably, it's kind of just like a pervy scene. And refused to shoot it, so he put it in anyway with with a with a stunt double. I mean that that's how much pervy Whedon had to have this this weird scene where Flash is like awkwardly sexually lands on top of the on top of Wonder Woman. Uh, I also want to point out for like a self avowed male feminist, uh, his wife sure likes to bring up the fact that he was constantly cheating on her. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna throw some extra jabs in there, I yeah, should also I mean, bring. I should also bring up the fact that now almost all his former uh, female actresses are all coming out and basically saying, "Yeah, Joss is bit of a pig." Yeah, he's definitely. Uh, you know, I don't like to judge people that I've never met from afar, but I think there's enough body of evidence on this one to at least say mm, a bit of a creeper and uh, a bit of a weirdo. And a, and my God, look what you now on top of all that. Look That's some egomaniac look stuff. What, look what you've done. I mean, he should be brought to the Hague. Look what <laughs> he took from us. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Every, I, I'm a big believer. Everything happens for a reason. And in hindsight, I'm I'm almost glad that it came that it happened this way because otherwise we would have just had a a probably three hour maximum version of the Snyder cut. So we would have had to lose an hour of this movie somewhere. Probably the entire last 20 minutes is just like gone. Um, I, we probably get still probably a bunch of the age of heroes and cyborg stuff, probably but trimmed down. But I really felt like, like usually when I see a long movie, I'm like, okay, they, they could have cut out this stuff. They, they put this in the padded out. I, I never felt that way about about this four hour movie. The, the only scene in the film where I wish both cuts would have either taken it out or completely changed it is the scene in the Gotham sewers. In, in the Gotham Waterworks, I've just never really liked that. What, what I will say makes it better, and, and we've already brought up everything with Cyborg. The storyline makes Cyborg's dad actually feel important. And, uh, you know, when he dies, that feels like a genuine loss. Yeah. And it actually makes me care, whereas I barely remember that he was in the theatrical version. I mean, in the theatrical, and the theatrical version, version kept him alive at the end of the movie. He, yeah, he's basically an afterthought in the theatrical version. But uh, yeah, in, in this in this version, I mean, you really get to understand the impact of why Cyborg, you know, had these issues with his dad. How his dad never paid attention to him. He was never there for him. Always wrapped up in his science, and he and he saved his life by turning him into this this kind of like this freak. I, I like how they really went into Cyborg's powers. I felt like a lot further on this one. They basically like showed us like he is the key to everything. Like he can hack into the mother 
other boxes. He can, it's like his own presence in there that ends up like you know solving it ultimately by getting him into the mother box. Uh, they really make him out to be a, a much more important character. They make everybody out to be a more important character. Even Ezra Miller's yeah. Flash, who I, I didn't love his portrayal, like he becomes like the most important character in the at the end of the day, uh, basically saving the day by by you know you know doing his little speed force you know race back in time thing. So I, I just thought every character was made to be just incredibly important like you couldn't have had this movie without any of these characters and i could not have said the same thing about the the whedon cut i i could have said okay you can just pluck out pluck out cyborg pluck out flash it's basically the same movie that that's definitely not the case with this version um everything is important and everything feels like it matters and everything feels freaking epic um just to get back to steppenwolf just just visually i mean i didn't even like realize it till i really saw the side by side but this version of steppenwolf compared to the one in the in the, the whedon cut is just it's a Joke. I mean, the, the Whedon cut one just looks like a dork. It looks like a dork in a, in a Halloween costume. And this one is just, I, I love how his suit of armor, it's almost like a live, like the mother box. Like if when he perks up, the the, the stuff in the suit kind of perks up. Um, it's just, just little stuff like that that's just so cool. And he's just, he, he just comes across as... Like you said, it's like a real intimidating villain, which is pretty impressive because at the same time, they're portraying him kind of as like the lackey to a lackey. Like he's reporting to Desaad, uh, who's ultimately reporting to Darkseid. And we it's really a big moment when he's speaking to Desaad and then Desaad's like, wait, what's going on here? And OK, I'll be right back. And then and then Darkseid emerges and he's like, oh, shit, uh, I think one of my favorite. And so you see even out of this intimidating villain, you see the fear in in Steppenwolf of Darkseid, which does so much more. More to to build up dark side of course the whole point of this movie was to build up into a trilogy which supposedly we're never going to get i don't know i'm starting to think with seeing the response to this movie we'll talk about this maybe at the end i'm starting to think there is a possibility we'll see this actually played out in, in some shape or form even if it's just relegated to an hbo max somehow I, I i they can't leave this as it is but anyway i mean does the fact that we actually get to see dark side in this uh, i know they were i don't know what they were thinking in the first version where they they like tease him, but they really didn't even like show him like at all. Uh, you, you could I, go through it as a passive viewer and neglect that dark side has any involvement in the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just this kind of dorky Steppenwolf villain. And it, you could, you could forget that he had any motivation beyond just the, you know, the whole mother thing. It's like mother calls to me. The, the fact that they took that, like the, the big difference, there's a, there's a YouTube channel and Mark, I'm actually going to send you the links. You should watch this later. But what somebody did was they actually took the Steppenwolf scenes from each of the versions and they put them side by side in a really good way. And it's like when, when he uh, shows up on Themyscira and you know, we, Steppenwolf is like, oh, Amazons, I have returned. And next thing you know, when when Snyder Steppenwolf shows up, he just looks around and he's like, prepare for the great darkness. And everyone just starts getting murdered and ripped apart. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like this, like the dialogue is the biggest thing. And I mean, they, they change the way his voice sounds. Um, he was less cartoony, but even just the dialogue alone, like it goes from uh, I'm going to bring my mother back to I'm going to feast on your souls for eternity. It's like this is some metal stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, though, like even though like what what you mentioned about, uh, you know, Snyder's Steppenwolf being a lackey to a lackey. What that does show is that his desperation to impress Darkseid makes him more dangerous like he is exactly. the, yep. the one scene on the beach uh where he pulls out the atlantean soldier and he 
puts that thing on his forehead to basically like read his mind and stuff. And the soldier's like, I will never betray Atlantis. And Steppenwolf just looks at me. He's like, well, you already have. And it's just like, (laughs) my God, this guy is, is despotic. He is sick. He is freaking fantastic. Steppenwolf stole the show in a way I did not imagine that was going to happen. Not, not at all. That, that's definitely one of the more unexpected aspects of this film. I, I think one of my favorite parts was when he finally has to, you know, talk to dark side and dark, dark sides. Like he's like, Hey, I got this, I got this world here. I'm about to get the three, the three, three mother boxes. We're going to do the unity. It's going to be great. And dark side is just like, yeah, I'm going to need like 50,000 more worlds for you to make this up. He's like, and he's just a look on Steppenwolf's face. just like, what? <laughs> he's like, he's about to cry. You're like, Oh no. And the, I mean, but it, but it helps so much to understand the character's motivation and his his pure villainy and his all the evil we see him do later on. It's because he's living in absolute fear of Darkseid, and we actually get to see that and understand that. And, but at the same time, it doesn't make him less intimidating at all. Uh, it doesn't make him feel he doesn't he never feels like a lackey. He feels like a true villain that can stand on his own, uh, which really does more to build up Desaad and Darkseid. I mean, to, to build that up for later when you see that Steppenwolf is ultimately just kind of a, you know, he's kind of just a, a not even a lackey really, but he's 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 a lower powered villain than even they are. We leave that film really saying, "Oh my god, what about when Darkseid really does get here?" Uh very much in the, in in a similar vein to how the MCU built up Thanos over time, uh, but they really effectively built up Thanos, their version of Thanos, Dark 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 Side, uh, in this one film uh, by not 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 showing him at all as as they did in the Whedon cut, but by showing him. They basically showed him, I think, three times in the whole film. Once is in the Age of Heroes flashback, which was great because it really showed. Oh my God, you don't want this guy coming to Earth. Look what it took to even get him out of here the first time. It took the freaking every goddamn Greek god and all the Atlanteans. And some Green Lanterns who he just squashed like a bug. Like this is serious business, uh, and it really conveyed that. Like the, why they can't, why you don't want Darkseid here because of look at look what it took to take care of him. It took every single power in the in the freaking galaxy to to uh, just just to repel him from Earth, not even really defeat him. Uh, you know, back in the Age of Heroes uh, flashback. Uh, so it, it just builds so much up into this into this evil villain. But while I, I just thought it was incredibly effective how they were able to do that while never making it feel I guess you could compare it to maybe Loki because Loki never really feels like like you know less of a villain even though he's working for Thanos uh, in the first Avengers not to appraise anything we didn't relate it if I can help it but uh, I, I would look at that similarly only only Steppenwolf doesn't have that comedic that comedic effect where even when Loki's a villain you kind of like him because he's kind of funny and he's kind of cool no Steppenwolf is just freaking scary and and gets way more way more scary I shouldn't say more scary he gets scary for the first time in this well he feels like he feels like a villain who on his own is that like that much of a threat to warrant the Justice League being formed. Whereas in in the theatrical version, it's like I feel that any of these characters based off what we've seen in prior movies could have probably taken them out himself if needed. Like, I think that Ares in, in Wonder Woman, which I will still consider part of my Snyder canon. Yeah, that, I think that's I my opinion. But like, you know, Ares was technically more of a threat than theatrical Steppenwolf, really. Um, you know, I'd say that Doomsday, even though you needed Superman to take down Doomsday. What we saw was that Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman were able to take down Doomsday. And Doomsday, when you look at that scene in BVS, um, Doomsday was a bigger threat than Steppenwolf. I, you know, the thing that disappointed me was I look at this and it's like story wise, 
he's not a threat big enough to bring about the Justice League. And I mean, with, with that, it also leads to the point where um, the 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 cubes. What, what were those called? The mother boxes. Yeah, the mother like boxes. they were just a regular MacGuffin like we've seen in so many other films uh, in the theatrical cut. So that's why, you know, with that, it was like, oh, it's just another MacGuffin piece. I really was impressed with how they made it feel like the mother boxes are their own character in the theatrical version. Like they, they were so they transcended being just another MacGuffin to being another layer of the film. You had to really understand. Yeah, I think the mother box boxes were even more of a a character than like say the Infinity Stones were because like every every single thing in the movie really did you know either affected the mother boxes or the mother boxes affected what was going on in the film and it it, it ties into everything. Um, so I mean that it tied into I mean they were awakened by the death of Superman in the first place. Uh, so they they really you know they really show and I don't recall if that was in the the theatrical. We no, they they started. This is so. This is one of those things that just I, I see it and I'm just I just get pissed. So the beginning of the theatrical version is the very end of Batman versus Superman, the battle scene with Doomsday, where where Superman has been killed. Whereas in the theatrical version, and I remember people complaining about this and at the time. I was like, I don't think it's that bad. The, the rooftop scene where Batman like is uh, is basically trying to like catch a criminal and he uses him. And that was another element of the Whedon version that was just stupid. It's like the the parademons detect fear. It's like they're just more faceless villains. Whereas in the Snyder cut, they're actually like like. They smell the mother boxes and they smell the, you know, they, they can detect in, the, in, the, in the, the Snyder the version. Boxes. They were, they, the parademons were people from conquered worlds who were made to be dark side slave. Whereas in, in the Whedon version, it was, Oh, they're just generic faceless villains who smell fear and everything. And that rooftop scene with Batman, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, who thought that this was better? It's not even done in a way that makes sense. How did Batman know that criminal is going to be there? Why is that criminal know know everyone so well? well Why that's the is, one where he's like he's like baiting the parademon because he the knows parademon he blows and, yeah. up, blows up. So the parademon smells the the criminal's fear. Right, then right. Batman captures it and it blows up, and you see like the marking on the wall of three mother boxes, and it's like, do they all do that? Was there something special about this parademon? Now, to his credit, and this is where I also think that Jeff Johns is great with comics, but he's bad with television and movies. Um, that scene was actually taken from issue one of the Justice League from New 52. So that was one of those scenes where when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I remember this from the comics. That's pretty cool. But at the same time, it's like, and this is why I don't think Jeff Johns has ever been able to understand stuff that looks good on page and stuff that works out in panels does not always translate well to film. And that's why I think him and Zack Snyder have always kind of butted heads behind the scenes It's because Snyder knows movies. And to John's credit, Jeff Johns is one of the best comic book writers of our time. But each time Jeff Johns tries to really interfere with a movie or a TV show, it doesn't translate well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I forgot about that, that scene with the, the, the fear thing. And it, it actually just makes no sense at all. And the mother boxes, everything with the mother boxes just made perfect sense in this from, from them awakening because Superman died, uh, to, to the, you know, the, the tie into, um, how, uh, you know, um, Cyborg's father ended up sacrificing himself, kind of his, his ultimate act of love for his son and the world. Um, and, and then, you know, how they use the, I, again, I don't recall exactly if they were 
used in the exact same way because I think I blacked out a lot of the the weeding <laughs> cut. How they how they use the mother boxes to bring back Superman and the idea behind that. How they how they figured that out that that oh mother boxes they can change the the nature of you know, of things. They can actually make bring things to life and they use that that theory to to bring Superman back to life. Um, was it was that, that the same so, premise in the so in in the Whedon cut the idea was more focused on the regeneration chamber and that it needed something that would put out so much energy that would activate the Kryptonian ship. Whereas in the Snyder cut, the regeneration chamber is still important, but the only way it will be able to bring him back in the best way and not like what happens with Zod, where when he was brought back and messed around with Luther's DNA, he came back as doomsday. They need to bring him back and make sure he doesn't turn out evil or like a monster. So the change machine, which is the other way of saying the mother box, it's going to bring him back to the best version of himself. Hmm. So it adds a layer more than just it, it, it makes things go boom. It makes things go, go get loud. You know, the thing, man, the thing it's like, it's just I, I think Whedon sometimes thinks that fans are too stupid to understand certain things. And that is what's what why I find patronizing with some of his other films. Like I thought, you know, I, I feel bad for him and what he wanted to do with Age of Ultron. You could see, especially when he did a lot of commentary and stuff like that film really did kind of break him career wise. But at the same time, it's like you can find that balance. And I yeah. think it's like, don't be afraid to go into detail. Don't be afraid to get layered with it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> layered is definitely what the uh, the first version of this film was absolutely not. And this is just layer upon layer. This is a freaking layer cake here. Um, but it's 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 not like it's so complicated that anyone can understand it. It's it's it, it is it is it's layered, but not not overly complex it's not it's not it's not like he thought too much he actually thought enough he thought how you're supposed to think to make an interesting compelling story and to make everything matter i think that's the big thing that stood out to me about this film everything felt like it mattered which again is just an amazing thing to say about a four-hour movie even the long drawn-out epilogue like i was completely sucked into that because i remember watching the movie i was like okay this is seems like it's wrapping up here there's there 20 minutes of credits and then they do the you know superman takes his shirt off and then suddenly poof epilogue I'm like, oh, okay. And then it just keep. I mean, it's just like, oh, we're getting a 15 minute nightmare dream sequence. This is probably going to be too much. No, it was like exactly what I needed. And I think one of my favorite parts of that too, is after he wakes up from the, the nightmare scene, when uh Batfleck walks outside on, under the porch of his mansion and uh Martian Mandarin Hunter just comes flying in and he's just like, can I help you? <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just the way he said it. Like, here's this like alien you've never seen before coming and landing. Um, by the way, Martian Manhunter, let's talk about his role in this. It was minor. I think the only, I think the only real thing you really saw of him that mattered was when um, um, Lois is talking to um, Martha, Martha, Martha. Martha Why'd Martha you Kent. say that name? Yeah. And basically Martha just uh, convinces her to, you know, get back in the fray and that, you know, that she still needed to be involved in things. I forget exactly what she said. And then you see that it's Martian Manhunter uh, that, that was actually behind that. And you, you you start to understand the bigger story. And this is still just being teased for later movies that may or may not happen. But of Lois being so important to this, uh, Lois being really the key to Superman. And, and that is really why the nightmare, um, the nightmare reality reality 
or alternate timeline or whatever we want to call it happens, it's because of Lois dying. And and that is what leads to Superman being corrupted by the anti-life equation, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I thought that was silly in Batman versus Superman. That didn't compel me too much. I was just like, oh, that's a random thing to throw in there. Uh, but it really feels like it matters and makes sense at the after seeing this movie, at the end of that movie. And it actually retroactively makes that part of Batman versus Superman make sense. I actually understand it more. I don't, you know, there's still a lot of things I don't like about that movie, but those scenes do make more sense now. And and yeah. and the Flash showing up uh, early kind of makes more sense and talking about Lois. like it, You can tell that Zack Snyder had a real vision there. And even if you don't like what the vision is, even if you don't think he had the best portrayal of Superman, which he doesn't, even if you don't think he, he you know, had the best version of Batman, which he doesn't, but he's consistent within what that vision is. Uh, and, th- and that's what I will definitely say about the Snyderverse. So once I've accepted that those are his versions of the characters, I can definitely see the consistency in their stories and what they are and, and how they progress throughout this thing, not just throughout this movie, but how they're projected to progress into this nightmare timeline, uh, which to me is was almost just a side note of of uh, Batman versus Superman. I don't believe it was even touched upon in the we didn't cut at all. Uh, but now it feels no. like the real big underlying story to this whole thing is preventing this nightmare reality that that Batman is is slowly becoming aware of through these visions and through seeing the, the kind of time time moving flash. Um, it all just makes so much sense. And I think it's actually going to make the Flashpoint movie make more sense because we saw this is where we get the glimpse. It was only a few seconds that uh, Ezra Miller's Flash had to go, you know, when he realized that uh, they had essentially failed uh, when he saw like the the big explosion or whatever from the the, the Unity, I guess the Unity starting to be created, whatever, whatever it was, um, that he saw it happening and then he, he say, oh shit, we messed up. Uh, it didn't work. But I got a trick up my sleeve, and he did the whole. It only had to go maybe a few seconds back in time to get there, and uh, you know, just in the nick of time, and allow Cyborg to go in. Uh, but but I think that also is going to set up this idea in his mind that goes into the Flashpoint movie, which uh, if it's anything like the plot of the comics, I presume it will be similar to the point that he goes back in time to prevent the death of his mother. And that makes so much even that makes so much more sense because of this movie, because he'll say, well, shit, I did it once. I went a few seconds back in time to save the world. Why can't I go 20 years back in time? So I assume that'll kind of be the basis for the Flashpoint movie. And this will, I guess, retroactively wouldn't be the word preactively, proactively make that movie better and make more sense as well. Uh, so there's just, uh, yeah, every even a character I couldn't stand had a very important role that I liked. I like Even though I didn't like the portrayal of the character from Ezra Miller, I thought the Flash's role in this was really perfect for what the character should be. Yeah, and to touch on two things you brought up, I think that was one of those things with Martian Manhunter. With his addition to the film, I'm not gonna say I loved it because I wish we had, I wish he had played more of a significant role other than just being an Easter egg in a in a plot device for sequel for building up sequels. I don't hate it though because I still rather see him than not. So I'm pretty neutral about that. I feel like that whole thing was just it's like oh it's it's there. Um, with with Lois though, and, and this is another big example of you know just Joss Whedon butchering it. That scene with her and fake Martha, Martha, um, that actually was really really touching. I went back and watched the Whedon version. They're sitting in the Daily Planet. Lois got her coffee. They're so excited to see each other. And then that's when uh, you know Ma Kent is like, "Yeah, Clark used to say you were the thirstiest girl he ever met." And it's just one of those weird jokes where it's like he just died. 
And you know, like this, the sense of humor and this, and this attitude, like nothing happened. It's like, Oh yeah, he happens to be dead. It just feels so out of place with this film. I think they actually make the Lois and Clark relationship, even though they're not on screen together as much, even in this uh, Snyder cut, um, it made the relationship matter. And that was one of the things that I never really got between them because they don't have, um, you know, like Lois and Clark from the Lois and Clark TV show type relationship. They're not even like the ones who were in the Richard Donner Superman films. That's why I love really about Superman Lois, not to plug that too much, but like that show really shows how they are different, but they bring out the best in each other and that their love feels real. That's my, that's my, like biggest thing where I'm like, they did it absolutely like nail on the head, a plus for Superman Lois on CW here. They make it matter. So when Lois shows up in, um, in the park as super, as you know, like, um, you know, Superman has been brought back. He's about to like kill Batman stuff. When she shows up, it feels like it actually means a little bit more. Whereas in the Whedon cut, um, Bruce Wayne has to go and he basically like brings her up as the backup. So it feels like she's more of just another plot device. She's not a character that has her own, you know, role to play in this. And Mm -hmm. whereas in the Whedon cut, it's like, Oh yeah, we know they dated. We know they were in love and all this other stuff. She's just a plot device here. It's like Lois is struggling and her absence in the world, um, is actually really impacting her. And in the Whedon cut, um, they, you know, they have her go back to work. Whereas in the Snyder cut, she hasn't been showing back up to work. We see the impact. The love feels real. She can't move on. Right. And that is like, man, to go from that to everything is fine. Let's make it, let's make a, you know, let's make a, you know, a joke here. It's like, he saw that. And this is what bugs me about him. He saw that and he's like, nah, we're not just gonna cut it. We're actually just gonna redo the whole thing and just, just move along. Yep, indeed. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just another example right there of how everything feels important and more. If it felt important in the first movie, which it probably didn't because hardly anything felt important in that movie, it definitely felt more important in this movie and, and had more gravity. Uh, just just everything. And I think this goes to show. I mean, we talk about attention spans, and, and I don't know, maybe it's different when you're sitting in the theater. You, you can't pause it to go to the bathroom if you have to. But I mean, I, I think studios start need to stop being afraid of long movies when they make sense. Like this should have been released as the four hour movie. It, it wouldn't, it, it, it needed all of it. It really did. The only way you wouldn't need all of this is if you also had the flash movie first, you also had a cyborg movie first, but you needed the, well, I don't know if you needed, we didn't really get a ton of character development from flash, but we, you really needed cyborg story for this movie to make sense. Cyborg's almost the centerpiece of the movie really. Cause he's the one that's, that's literally his origin is connected to the mother box. Um, so, I mean, he, the whole, whole movie is really centered around him in many ways too. Uh, even though it's Batman, that's the one that's, that's gathering the, all these heroes together. Um, Cyborg really is the key to the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I, I just really, I really love the character development uh, that we didn't get hardly any of in the Whedon version. And uh, you know, every, every single thing that occurred in this movie, I, I, I can't remember one scene hardly where I was like, yeah, they could have just cut this one out. Um, I don't know. Maybe you didn't love the sewer scene. 
I don't know if I loved it, but I didn't I didn't dislike it. I I, I still enjoy the moment where Aquaman shows up and just like controls the water after they, they were having trouble, you know, getting him on board. Uh maybe the time and the timing is a little cheesy, you know, superhero cheesy, but um but everything really felt like it was necessary to either drive the plot along or to, you know, show you more about these characters and their motivations, where we just got none of that in the Whedon cut. Um they were just superheroes doing superhero stuff, battling some villain who's just there doing villain stuff. Here we actually got a complete story where everybody's actions made sense, everybody's motivations made sense from from the villains on down to all the all this collection of heroes, and and that's just something that cannot be said at all for the Whedon version of this movie. I mean, it's, it's 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 again. I said it in the beginning of the show. It's the same movie in the sense that if I tell you the plot, the plot is the same movie, and at the end of the day, the heroes win. So it's the same movie. They defeat Steppenwolf, but that's like the only similarity. Obviously, there's a lot of scenes that aren't the same, but even the scenes that are the same make more sense because of what is around those scenes and because of all the development and character buildup around those scenes. So to me, it's just it's just. Oh, you epic- did miss the you did miss the Russian family. <laughs> Remind me about the Russian family. The Russian family was just like these random extras that were put in the film that basically show the progression of Steppenwolf's little like, you know, radioactive fortress that they get caught in. And then the Flash has to save them at the end of the movie in the Whedon Whedon version. They're not even there because it was like if you're going to add something, make it matter. And that's one of those things where it's just like it's just if you wanted to extend runtime, here's four hours of shit to work with, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, he shouldn't yeah. have had to shoot a damn thing. <laughs> I mean, I know Snyder had to come in and do a, do a few reshoots um, to, to make everything work out. But I mean, he had more than enough good stuff to work with uh, as it is. And and it's incredible that he added things that didn't need to be added when when there was so much there that was necessary. So it's just oh. I think war crimes or hate crimes are, are both very appropriate terms for what Joseph Whedon did to this film. I don't want to just blame the man. Uh, you know, studio executives are. I think are part I of think too, Jeff Johns should also take some blame for this. He kind of has to, right? Yeah, because I mean, he really tried to get in there and do stuff, and you could see the parts of the film, like the rooftop scene and, and some of the other stuff, where it's like this is this is a Jeff Johnsism. Like, it's not good. It's just like, why is it there? The biggest. I mean, that was literally like almost a scene right out of his Justice League story, where yeah. they inter- reintroduced Darkseid. Which, which is which is which is another thing where it's like he's a great comic book writer. Doomsday Clock was amazing. He he redid Flash. He redid Green Lantern. I will I will buy Jeff Johns comics until he stops writing. But the dude needs to stay away from movies. He just does like he already got to screw up the entire 2009 or 2010 Green Lantern movie. It's like, dude, you've done enough. Go just go back to writing great comics because you got to do what you're good at. And by the way, the one thing we haven't brought up, the one person who may have actually been redeemed, not just as a character, but as an actor. I know where you're going with this. Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I will say when I saw the original Suicide Suicide Squad, now there's also a push for the uh, the, the air cut of the Suicide Squad movie. I don't think there's going to be quite <laughs> let's, quite let's the not, buzz around let's that. Let's not one, get but, ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, we already but, uh, got this. <laughs> uh, my by far my my least favorite part of that movie, and I, I don't even necessarily blame Jared Leto for it. I think it's just how the character was written in that film. I mean, the Joker could have been any old gangster in that. Movie. I've that, seen that's the, what bothered me. I've seen the deleted scenes in the in the Blu-ray. Uh, ultimate edition that comes with all the deleted scenes even the deleted scenes that you saw in the trailers for that movie that did not end up in the actual film would not have justified him being there 
He wasn't the Joker. I mean, he just wasn't the Joker. He was just a guy who was a gangster type guy who happened to have face paint and, you know, kind of look like a character we've seen in other movies. But he was not the Joker. This he really felt like the Joker. Uh, man, just that that like five minutes speech he gives to I loved Batman it. and the nightmare scene. I, I loved, loved every it. second of it. And it also just you can just see how much of a comic fan Zack Snyder is. I mean, just how they're referencing basically referencing his own version of Death in the Family with the death of Robin and, and Joker killing him. We now know that is what happened in this universe. Uh, you know, we kind of saw a glimpse of it by by seeing the Robin costume, I think, in, in BBS. But now we really know, yes, that's what happened to that Robin. Uh, he was killed by the Joker and they're referencing it here. And it was just it felt like a Joker. It felt like not this didn't feel like Heath Ledger's Joker. It didn't feel like Jack Nicholson's Joker. It felt like its own awesome version of the Joker that I desperately want to see more of. So that's that's the biggest question I think uh, going on. Before we before we just move on to our, our general review and some other thoughts going forward, why not, I just want to talk a little bit more about that nightmare scene overall. What did you think of Please. that? You know, that 15 minutes uh, that we got tacked on to the end there. I thought we were just going to get the, Oh, something else I got to talk about in the epilogue, uh, the Joe Manganiello scene, uh, which was supposed to originally set up an, uh, the Batman movie with Batfleck. Um, but in that, in the, the Whedon version, it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start my own league of villains. You want to be in it? And he's like, yeah, sure. But so in this fucking one, dumb. Oh, it's so dumb. But in this one, it's it's so much better. And I will say, I do hate Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. I think that's the worst part of maybe all of these Snyder movies. Uh, but again, he's barely used here. And you only see him in the, basically in this last scene. So I'm okay with it. Um, but I mean, he, he instead of this weird setup where he's just, I'm going to form a team of villains. Ha ha ha. He's like, hey, I got some information for you. He's out for blood. Batman. <laughs> I know who the Batman is, and his name's Bruce Wayne. And he's like, oh, well, now I'm interested in talking to, to you. And that sets up a whole plot where now, now, uh, Death, Deathstroke? Deathstroke. It, it, yeah, it is Deathstroke. Deathstroke. I, I always get him confused with the one in Suicide Squad. Dead, dead shot. Deadshot, yeah. I always confuse Deathshot, Deadshot and Deathstroke. Deathstroke, who's a much cooler character. R.I.P. Uh, I mean, Will Smith's career. I mean, I'll watch 90 minutes of Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke, uh, you know, you know, torturing not Batman, but Bruce Wayne and like slowly screwing with his life. Like that sounds amazing. I want that movie now. And then from the nightmare scene, I want these sequels. I want to see how we got there or how we avoid getting there and more of, you know, how this all plays out. Like I want to see it now. I, I, and I, I didn't want to see it after BVS. Like I didn't care about it at all. I just thought it was a stupid part of the movie uh, to see something that was never going to happen. But now I feel like, well, now there's some real gravity here. Now we understand from the age of hero scene, what can happen when dark side really gets to earth what can happen when he gets the unity uh it seems like the threat has been abided by now but we still know dark side is there and then they really set it up when dark side i love how i love it too how dark side at the end uh when steppenwolf gets defeated and his head just like appears there and he's like and he just like steps on the head he's like oh well that guy's dead no uh, hesitation <laughs> none at all like, no chill he, true villain like doesn't care at all about the, the death of his his lackey here um and he he just goes well, I guess we got to use conventional means. I'm like, oh, well, I guess we got to take the car. You know, it's like, <laughs> like oh, well, the portals are, are broken. That's not going to work. Unity's not going to work here. So, yeah, I guess we got to drive. So now they're just, I guess they're flying to Earth now, however long that takes, maybe a few years, uh, enough time to make another movie. Because now I just, I, I went from from just wanting this universe to die and go away. And I was all about this DCEU because at least they could just be, you know, individual movies that I can forget that this Justice League movie happened. 
I, I have the opposite mentality now. I want it to all be brought back together. I want it to all make sense within the Snyderverse. I want to see where this vision goes. I'm afraid I'm not going to get it, but I don't know. I didn't think we'd ever get the Snyder cut, and here we are. So I, I really feel that there, you know, it's already trending. Restore the Snyderverse is trending. Man, I want to see it. I want to see these damn movies. I want to see Justice League 2 and 3. I want to see Batman being chased around by and tortured by Do- Joe Manganiello's uh, Deadshot. Uh, I want Death, our Death, Deathstroke. Deathstroke. I did it again. Um, yeah, I want to see it all now. And if we get any of it in any form, I'll be happy. Uh, I, I think our best hope might just be that they do some... They, they give Snyder the reins to DC on HBO Max and they let him do a six-part miniseries or whatever. I don't care what. Just give me more. Give me more. I want to see more. I'm excited. And I, and I had no intention of coming out of this movie excited. I actually just thought... I don't know. I, I thought at best I'd think it was a slightly better version of that other movie. And it's just... It's, it's a completely different film. I mean... All the false endings too. I mean, when Superman first appears in front of in front of Steppenwolf and just blows the the you know just turns his little axe into frost, I just loved that. I mean, it was just like amazing. And then you really understand you really understand why the mother boxes were afraid of the Kryptonian, as they say. Why why his death caused them to wake up? Like like no, that he's the one that is that they are no match for at all. And and it just it, it just all tied together so perfectly. Um, and again, every character mattered in the end of that movie. I mean, Cyborg and his dad, it mattered how he got into the mother box and everything. Um, you know, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, they were kind of like the muscle that that almost took down Steppenwolf. Uh, and then uh, Flash obviously had his important role and then Superman coming in to really, to really seal the deal. It just, it made the team dynamic make so much more sense because every single person on that team had a role and they had a role that really, really mattered and you needed every single one of them for this to all work out. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, the threat has to be big enough to make the assembling of these heroes for the first time in generations in the DC universe actually feel like it matters. And um, I mean, even though I like I've seen this, the Whedon version a bunch of times just because I was like, this is the only time I'm probably ever going to see a Justice League movie. I might as well like it. But it's like even watching it again, it's like I was back there at ground zero. It's like, what's going to happen? Oh, is this happening? Oh, what if they lose? And it's like for a movie to do that, especially when especially when you've read the script. (laughs) Yeah. Like with all of that, it's like Bravo Zack Snyder. I mean, we just need to remember, I think he gets a lot of shit from people, but like Zack Snyder is a gift to fandom. 300, Frank Miller's 300, Watchmen, Man of Steel, BVS. These are films that take comic book characters that no one, even 10 years ago, really gave a shit about in terms of do these films matter? Are these films good? They are pop culture heavyweights. And as we mentioned in the in, in the 300 episode, a few episodes back, it's like that film is not the greatest film ever made, but it's so it's so driven by its intention, by the dreams of its director. It's embedded in pop culture. Yep, absolutely. So I guess the next question is, where do we go from here? Where does this all go from here? Um, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would say what DC executives are still saying now, it's probably one and done. We're probably just going to get this thing, play it out. And it is what it is. It's really hard for me to think that that is how this all ends now. Uh, I I have to think even if DC and Warner brothers executives think that they're not going to do more, I don't think just like the fans wouldn't let the Snyder cut go. Now I think they're not going to let the Snyder verse go. And, um, I I think it's only going to amplify, amplify it. And at some point, 
the market speaks and uh, the market provides. So I really feel like we're, we got to see something else from this at this point. Absolutely. This didn't just happen just to be a one-off type thing. I mean, I think it did, but I don't think it's going to stay that way. I, 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 don't, I don't think $70 billion dollars. And Kate, Let's 70, I'm sorry, 70, I'm sorry, it's my bad, my bad. I don't think 70, country, I don't think $70 million and, and Zack Snyder didn't Kevin, get a dollar of, by the way, yeah. he took no money for this. That's all just um, money that went to the film. And, and this is something like, like with fan demand. It's like, dude, somewhere sitting in a vault somewhere is a completely different solo film. Like there is a the movie, the solo we saw in theaters is a complete 180 than the first script that was done by I think it was the Russos. And that is just sitting in a vault somewhere. We're never going to see. And the film is 90 fucking percent done somewhere. There is a there is an original version of the of the Doom film made 10 years. I'm sorry, Dune made 10 years before the the first dune film which we we should be getting another dune on hbo max any day now yeah. that will never be seen it's like the or, studio or is this going to open up the floodgates for the the blank cut of everything who knows like i i think i think studios are finally realizing that you know you don't have to do much to get a lot of people's money especially when you see these movements come out and i think you know had had people really understood how different these things could be like you know I, I've seen the, the I've seen the director's cut of Green Lantern, which has a full extra hour. It's a fucking terrible movie, but I still wanted to see it because as a fan, I want to know these things. You want to decide yourself if you're going to love it or hate it or what? Exactly. So it's like I think I, I, I whether we restore the Snyderverse or not, nothing is going to be the same afterwards. Everything has changed. I, I, I if nothing else out of this. I have got to see. I have got to see more Batfleck v Leto Joker. I got to see more because the dynamic was incredible. And just in like a few minutes, too. Yeah. And just a few minutes, just a tease. So, I mean, I, personally, I, I really think I don't think it's going to happen right away, but it's hard to imagine that the momentum's not going to pick up again. It's maybe it's just going to come down to more of can they get Henry Cavill, Affleck, Gal Gadot to everybody to do this again? Money talks, man. That money makes the world go around. I can't imagine that something is not going to happen uh, with this film. I mean, it 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 has to. It has something. We can't just leave it at this. <laughs> I mean, no. I might take a, it might take some years to get to it, but I need to see the rest now. I I need to see the next two movies that he has planned out in this. I I just I need to see it. So if I need to see it, there are people with much less time on their hand, or much more time on their hands, and much more drive than me that are also going to feel this way. And uh, yeah, I think the collective is it's going to move it somewhere. I don't know where. I, I think especially now with HBO Max, they don't necessarily need to commit to an, a theatrical release. Oh well, as of today, I just read this about an hour ago black widow is going to be the first marvel film to premiere on disney plus yeah but they do that stupid thing where they make you pay an extra 30 bucks for it so i'm gonna go see it in theaters i'm not paying well, 30 bucks yeah yeah i'll if see I'm it in theaters. 30, i'm going to a theater exactly. yeah yeah like it, it's one of those things where it's like you know they, they could do this yeah so we shall see i, I gotta think we're gonna see something more from this we have the before, technology before it's all said and done Yes, we do. Uh, so that being said, why don't we just move on to our our final review? We don't really do uh, movies that often. Our final scores. I think the only movie we've actually officially done as a podcast was Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, but how would you grade this thing? Um, I guess we can do it on the one to ten scale. But um, yeah, I don't know if you want to break it down into any any way like we would a comic. But just what's your overall score on this thing? 
9.5 out of 10. I can't give it a 10 out of 10 because I have very clear things that I feel neutral on and things that I don't like. So as much as I feel like I, you know, instinctively, I want to give it a 10 out of 10. I I don't want to, I don't want to be disingenuous about 9.5. You know, I, part of me wants to, you know, I think I agree with you. I'm going to give it a 9.5 as well because uh, the my biggest flaws about this are not even from this movie. Like my biggest flaws are are stuff from BVS, and this isn't BVS. So I'm it, not gonna, for I'm context, not carry it over. for context, I would give Avengers Endgame an eight. Okay, I would probably. Wow, shit. Maybe I just realized. Well, I don't know. Huh. I'm gonna have to think more on this. I would give Endgame like a nine or a nine or a nine point five. I don't know. I haven't had time to fully process all. I'm this, harsher so. with movies than I am with comics. I will say that. Okay. Movies that I really love, I usually give like sevens to. The only movie I think I will ever give like a straight ten to is Apocalypse Now, which is actually my favorite. Which is actually like my favorite like cinema masterpiece. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm my, hold, my yeah. I'm gonna hold on comparing it to Endgame because to me it's it's a little harder of a comparison because really Endgame was a culmination of 21 movies, and this is just a culmination of maybe three at best. Um, so it's just a different kind of feel that isn't necessarily the fault of the movie to me. Um, but my, my thing is like, is it a good standalone film and yes, does yes. it also provide it to, to people who have been following everything else? I think that's its edge over end game because for people that have watched this stuff for 10 plus years, it is a great movie, but is it a good standalone movie? No. Yeah, it's a end game would be a tough one to just pop into without knowing what's going on. Whereas yeah. this this you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they give you all the information you need uh, from the other films to to really be caught up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to stick with you, though. I'm going to stick with a nine point five because I, I would have to go out of my way to find more flaws to lower the score. So I don't think that I'm going to watch it again genuine. after this. I like, if I are. eat dinner and watch it again, I'll probably find something else. But, like, I, I, I could tell you, folks, like, believe me, I'm harsher with films than I am movies. Rarely do I give anything above, like, a seven. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, too enthusiastic. Can you believe? I think it was. What's the site? I don't want to confuse it with the store GameStop. I think it's GameSpot. Is this GameSpot? Yeah. Gave it a three. Fuckers. Three out of ten. Fuck like, them. Come on. You're just trying to be subversive now. Like, okay. If you if you don't love it as much as we do, I get that. If you don't even like it that much, I get that. But a three. That's like a bad movie. A three. Like, come on. Give me a break. You're just trying to be like, yeah. So whatever. It's it's very far from a, a three for both of us. Uh, this gets my highest possible recommendation just about for uh, even if you have to. I think HBO Max might have a seven day trial. This is the time to use it if you haven't done it. If you don't want to subscribe, use your damn seven day trial. Watch this thing three times. I mean, it's 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 that freaking good. Just just see this movie. If you're a comic book fan, I, I can see not loving it as much as we do. I think maybe we're on, on the, you know, the higher end of the spectrum of, of, of how people feel about this. But I can't imagine any li- like lifelong comic fan not not really enjoying a lot about this movie. If nothing, too. What, what's telling are the number of non comic book, non superhero movie people who have watched this film and been like, "Wow, mm-hmm. that is good." Like you know, I, I watched uh, the premiere, and, and this is what's funny. Like no one really gives a shit about Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I watched it uh, Saturday night. I, I was out of town, it, but I can't it say I'm going to be talking about it a lot. Yeah, like it's it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, the the bar has to be raised to a degree and it's not, you know, super special effects. It's not all this other stuff like have a good story, 
have a great cast. I don't think he. Get, I don't think Snyder gets enough credit for that. He has put together some of the best cast for these films compared to any director th- that they can say in, the, in terms of their career, in terms of casting people for characters that have such a high standard. Calville, Affleck, Gal Gadot, um, you know, Jason Momoa. I can't think of anyone else being Aquaman. No, I can think of no. like 20 people who could be Flash, maybe even yeah. a couple of people who could be Batman. Um, you know, and I remember being very skeptical of Gal Gadot. I think the only one I really gave a pass to was Calville, just because I look at him and it's like, that guy's freaking Superman. But I mean, Snyder had an eye for them. And even when they've worked with other directors, James Wan, um, you know, Patty Jenkins and stuff like that, like they, they shine because they are the characters, even in their weakest moments, they shine. And it's because of Snyder. He has permanently affected, you know, th- this world, I think, ultimately for the better in terms of superhero films. Absolutely. So, yeah, that is our emergency broadcast of the Snyder Cut review. Literally last minute. Uh, we already had a show in the bank. You're going to hear it next week. Uh, it is a Justice League tie-in of sorts. We'll be looking at Green Lantern Earth One. A uh, little preview for you. But we really felt that we had to make our – we thought about doing a, maybe a bonus show for Patreon. But, you know, ultimately we said, you know, this needs to be publicly aired. Everyone needs to hear our thoughts on this. The world, The world needed it, and the world got it. So – uh, we we aim to please. We aim to uh, we aim to abide by hashtags. And uh, you know, hey, when things are trending, we're gonna talk about them, and that's why we're here. So uh, I absolutely enjoyed this film. I enjoyed talking about this film, Ramzo. Before we close up, do we have any housekeeping to take care of, folks? We're doing another giveaway right now. We're giving away sets. Yeah, we're giving away sets. I'll say it again. We are giving away one graphic novel and one comic and I'm even going to go ahead and sign some limited edition second break comics posters. So today you can, you, if you enter at any level on Patreon and leave us a five star review on Apple podcast and screenshot it and send it to the page on Facebook, second break comics uh, podcast. Um, you know, we will give you one set which has Immortal Hulk Volume 1 and Transformers Universe Issue 1 plus a signed poster from me. And then the other set is uh, Deadpool versus Old Man Logan plus Issue 1 of the Deadly Foes of Spider-Man plus a signed poster. All you have to do, join at any level on Patreon and then send us a screenshot of you submitting a five-star rating interview. Some of you were like, well, if I already did it before, go to Stitcher, go to Google Play. There are other places. It's global domination, folks. So please, we are doing these giveaways of bigger prizes because of your support, because of your financial um, you know, support of the show and that word of mouth and everything. We want to do these more often. So really, we're looking for... Uh, Patreon member number 19 and 20 help us out get a bunch of free shit and then you get all the all the extra bonus stuff I mean we're putting out an additional like uh, three hours of content a week so it's, it's come on wild and crazy plus you get all these episodes early although this one this might be the first one that we don't actually get early to anybody no, we're sorry, literally folks. recording hours hours before this airs um, but that's about it. So uh, thank you all to those of us who have joined us in this emergency session of the Second Print Comics podcast. Uh, until next time, I only have one thing to leave with you. That is a very powerful message. One where I ask you to read comics. Change the world. And change that damn world. Good night, America.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.